Welcome to the study of God's Word with pastor and author Ed Taylor, recorded live from Calvary Chapel in Aurora, Colorado. To learn more about the many resources available through Abounding Grace Media, visit us online at calvaryaurora.org or download our free app on all platforms. And now, here's Pastor Ed to take us into our study. Amen. Would you take your Bibles, please, and open them to the book of James, chapter 2. James chapter 2 in a Bible study that I've entitled, True Faith Always Leads to Works. True Faith Always Leads to Works. Now, remember, we are studying through the book of Hebrews, verse by verse. We've been in the book of Hebrews for some time, and we've landed in, the ch- in chapter 11, which is known as the Hall of Faith. It's not known as the Hall of fa- Failure, it's known as the Hall of Faith. Even though every person that's mentioned in there experienced great mistakes and great failures, when God decided to remember them and remark of them, he remembers their faith. But it's not just their faith. I mean, we read over and over again, by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith. But what is highlighted is what faith did. It was the actions of faith. It wasn't merely that they said they had faith. It wasn't merely that they were known as followers of God. What they're known for in Hebrews 11 is what they did, their acts. And what we often refer to the acts of faith as works. And I have to say in the body of Christ today, there's a lot of confusion among believers when it comes to this issue of faith and works. And there's a lot of confusion, especially concerning salvation and works. And I felt like it was time in this this study in Hebrews to stop for a couple weeks and lay a foundation and be reminded of how faith and works go together. Because they're both a part of our lives. But we have to have them in the right order. So we learned last time that we are not saved by works. That's very important to understand. Your works, your good deeds is not what God uses to save you. Now, some of you may have been raised in a religious system or in a very moral, upright home where you were taught to do good, be good, do good, because then we'll be happy with you. Then God will be happy with you. And and it's your responsibility to be good and to do good. And that gets translated into this sense of, if I'm good, then God will love me. God saves me. But if I'm bad, then God discards me and I'll be in trouble. And a lot of people live their life even like this today. And sometimes religions, false teachings, even even cults will take this frustration, you know, take this sense. I would say this, most people I've met Most people, not all people, but most, a majority of people I've met over the years like to do good. There are very, very few people that are pretty rotten to the core that don't want to do good. Most people want to do good. Most people want to help. Most people want to be a good for society. Most people want to, now of course it's tainted and it's twisted by our selfishness, but most people want to do good. And when you carry that over into your relationship with God, it it sounds something like this. I want to do good because I want God to like me. I want to do good because I want God to bless me. I want to do good because I want God to give me the forgiveness of my eye. I want to earn what I want from God. And the truth is, is that 
God's gift of salvation, God's gift of forgiveness, God's gift of the removal of guilt from your life cannot be earned by your good works. And the phrase that we use to describe that is you and I are not saved by our good works. And let me read to you one of the, the, the passage in the Bible that says it the most clear, the absolute clearest place in the Bible. It's in Ephesians chapter two, verses eight, nine, and 10. Let me just read it to you. You can let it soak in. It says, for by grace you've been saved through faith and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So we are, here are the both sides. We are not saved by works, but we are saved for works. There, there is a need for good works in our lives and good actions. As you've learned before, what you believe will dictate your behavior. What you believe to dictate how you behave, how you act. And, and so that means on the flip side that if I watch you and I see your behavior for long enough, I can pretty much tell what you believe. And I could feed that back to you. So I believe in God. Yeah, but you live like the world. So your belief in God or your so-called belief in God hasn't changed you. And so whatever you believe about God isn't enough for your life, for you to surrender your life. And I, how, you say, Ed, how can you see that? Well, I can say it by seeing it. And that's the problem when it comes to faith. When God changes a person from the inside out, we don't see how he does that. It's invisible. The work of faith is an invisible to the eye. We don't see it. So that when you come to me and say, well, Ed, I believe in God and I'm born again, I didn't see that happen. I don't know how God does it on the inside. None of us are able to see that. But however, you know that a person that's changed on the inside, it will be seen on the outside. There will be corresponding change for a person that's been born again. How do I know that? The Bible says that. The Bible says for a person that's born again that you're a new creation in Christ. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And how careful we need to be when it comes to faith and works to not emphasize one over the other, they both go together. And some of the confusion actually comes when you're reading the Bible because you have two prominent men in the Bible that appear to say the exact opposite. And sometimes people will come and say, I found a contradiction in the Bible. And, and they'll, I'll say, well, where is it? Show me the passage. And they'll take me to Romans where it talks about how the Bible speaks of us that the just shall live by faith. That we are justified by faith. Or in Ephesians, we are saved by faith. And we go, yeah, how are you saved? By faith. And then we jump over. You're in James chapter 2. Notice what, what James says about Abraham. Notice in James chapter 2, look at verse 21 with me. James says this, wasn't Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? And so people go, what is it? Are you justified by faith? Are you justified by works? It sounds like a contradiction. Which one is it, Ed? Let me give you the answer. You ready? It's both. It's both. These brothers aren't contradicting each other. They're actually giving us a perspective 
they're giving us truth from a different perspective. When Paul writes about justification by faith, he writes of our relationship to salvation toward God. That there is no other way that you can be made right with God except by faith. We're not saved by works, we're saved by a work. Very different. We aren't saved by our works, we're saved by his finished work. Jesus Christ lived, died, and rose again. It's his finished work that saves you. It's the blood of Jesus Christ that saves you. Even in Titus chapter three, I think it says that we are not saved by works of righteousness. So baptism doesn't save you. Church attendance doesn't save you. Bible reading doesn't save you. Prayer doesn't save you. Sharing the gospel doesn't save you. Only God saves you through the blood of Jesus Christ. Are we clear on that, church? So when Paul writes, he's writing about that finished work of God in your life through the cross. When James writes, he writes not in your relationship to God as much as your relationship to other people. How will other people see your salvation? How will other people see you're born again? How will other people understand that you're a believer in Jesus Christ? It will be by your works. It will be by your activity. It's like, the, like a coin, like a coin. If you were to take a coin out of your pocket today and you would say, well, what is this coin? And you would look at it and go, it's heads. And then somebody sees the other side of it and they say, what is this coin? And they say tails. And then you start arguing, it's heads, it's tails, it's heads, it's tails. No, it's the same coin, two different sides. And the coin of salvation has two sides to it. The relationship you have with God and the relationship you have with others. And that's why Jesus said the whole law is summed up in this. You will love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind and love your neighbor as yourself. So true faith will always lead to action, obedience. And be careful here because there's always someone that wants to come along and bring you into bondage through your works. There's always someone that you meet that says you're not doing enough for the kingdom. You're not doing enough for God. You're not going to church enough. You're not reading the Bible enough. You're not smiling enough. You're not serving enough. You're not doing, there's always someone. I mean, some of you, some of you serve so much that resting is hard for you. But you know, resting is from the Lord. When you obediently, when God is telling you to obediently pull back, or God is telling you to obediently change directions, you're doing that by faith. And we need to do everything by faith because the Bible says that without faith, it's impossible to please God. I know some of you in your relationship with God, you were like, would you just tell me what to do, Ed? Tell me what to do. And if I was to, if we were to set up a system and say, well, anyone, I'm just, I'm new to the faith. I don't know what to do. And we set up a list for you and I gave it to you and it has 10 things to do the rest of your life. Many of you would take that list and you'd work it till the day you die. You'd work through the whole thing. You'd look at number one and master two, master three, master you. That would be the list. All you would really pay attention to are those 10 things. And, and you would live it out and you would go, and somebody would ask you, why do you only focus on those 10 things? And you would say, because pastor told me to. Because that's how sincere and genuine you are. The problem is, is that, first of all, that would be the wrong thing because God doesn't rule by lists. He leads by his spirits. <laughs> And that's why our lives are going all kinds of different directions. That's why the Holy Spirit loves to lead us. He doesn't push us. He doesn't prod us. He doesn't guilt us. 
He leads us with his cords of love. The greatest motivator in the world is love, not guilt. And the Holy Spirit leads us. You know, another problem with trying to follow a list is, is that you won't, if you have 10 things on your list, you won't look for 11 or 12 or 13. You're going to work the list. And God doesn't want you to work the list. He wants us to live by faith. And as we live by faith, he will lead and guide us and manifest himself through us. And your faith will lead to good works. Which also brings us to a place before we jump into the text that if you're here today and you say, oh, I'm a believer in Jesus Christ, but you have no works, you should really consider if you believe in the one true God. You should really consider if you have a true born again experience with God. Because it's not enough just to say, I believe. How many times have you shared the love of Jesus Christ with somebody and what's their answer? I believe in God. Yeah, but the reason I'm sharing the gospel with you is because you say you believe in God, but you don't look like it. It doesn't appear. Your life doesn't look any different than any other person on the earth. Like you live for this world. You live for the things of this world. And, and so as we jump into this, we're saved. Remember, we are saved by works. Yes, no. No, we're not saved by works. We're saved for works. The only thing that saves us is the blood of Jesus Christ. With all that in mind, let's jump in. Verse 14 of James chapter 2. Just a couple things we want to share. And then next time we'll jump into the book of Hebrews again. So listen to what James says. Listen, let it hit your heart. What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? So let's ask that question today. Someone says they have faith but doesn't have works, can faith save him, yes or no? Yes, of course. So we've got that foundation. Yes, faith can save them. And he's asking that to lay it out. Now notice how he explains. He says, if a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you don't give them the things that are needed for the body, what does that profit? Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Faith without works is dead. Can faith save you? Yes. But faith always leads to works. Saying you have a faith and having no corresponding change is to have a fatal faith, a dead faith, and a useless faith. So what James is teaching us is that you can have real faith and have a season without works, but you can also have a false faith and never have works. And it's dead and useless. And that's really what it amounts to when a person says he or she is saved, but their life is no different from the world. It's dead. It's useless. It's lifeless. Yeah, you say you're a believer, but your life has no reflection of what it is for the Spirit of God to animate you in good works. And he uses this example. Another, I wouldn't call it silly example, but a startling example. I know the mirror one is kind of a silly. This is a startling example when he says this. Look, here's what it looks like. You say you're a believer. You say you love the Lord. You say you want to help your community. You say you want to be a force to be reckoned with in the kingdom. You want to have an eternal impact. Yes, 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 yes. Okay, you meet a guy, a brother, a brother. He starts in the body of Christ. You meet a brother or sister that's hungry. And instead of giving them food, 
You lay hands on them and go, oh, go, God bless you. Go and be warm and uh, may the Lord take care of you when you leave. And James says, is that, is that really faith? The brother doesn't need a prayer. He needs a burger. He needs food. But here we are with our spiritual language. Bless the Lord. Hallelujah. Oh, you're hungry. I should pray for you. Pray for them and get them a burger and get them some food. And I love how he says this, it's a brother. Because everything starts in the church. You know, here in the church of Jesus Christ, we get to practice love on one another. It's almost like this is practice and preparation for real life. And it's always good to make mistakes with people that we know are filled with agape love. So that if a hungry person came here, you go, oh yeah, you know, let me pray for you. And you don't give them food or, you know, they have a practical need. You know, a lot of times the church, you know, what happens is people will come with a practical need and you'll give them the church phone number. Oh, call the church. They'll take care of you. That's the same thing as saying, be, go and be warm and be, they're in front of you. They're in front of you and you are the church. Now, there may or may not be a way that the church at large can help them, but you're the church. Everything's not relegated to, well, call the church, call the church, call the church. I mean, even here in our food bank, we have other churches sending people here for help instead of helping them at the front door of their church. And, you know, that's fine. We'll do whatever the Lord calls us to do in serving people. But, man, when somebody's in front of you, your faith should lead action serving them and taking care of them, especially the body of Christ. It's not just relegated to the pastors or the leadership. We are the body of Christ and we take care of each other. And your faith will lead you to action. It's not, well, let me go talk to Pastor Ed. No, you're in front of him. So you are the appointed brother or sister to take care of them, to minister to them, to serve them. And you can by faith. If you don't, then your faith is lifeless. And that's an easier way of saying that your faith is dead. It does no good, church. Listen, hear me out. It does no good to say that we have faith unless it's in operation and in action. That it's alive and vibrant. That we're obedient to the promptings of the Holy Spirit. That, that we, would, we would connect and to integrate our faith into our everyday life, that there would be corresponding change because you're born again. Let me just repeat to you. If there isn't corresponding change in your life because of your faith in Jesus Christ, you need to re-examine your life before God. Because just saying you're saved doesn't mean you're saved. Because you prayed a sinner's prayer doesn't mean you're saved because you're sitting in church, or you own a Bible, or you're wearing a cross, or you have some Christian t-shirt, or you went to some Christian concert, none of that matters. Unbelievers can do all of that. What changes, like, like one, I have a lot of, you know, I have a, I, in my own personal walk with the Lord, I worry, I'm anxious about things, I'm concerned about things, but one thing, Except for some really crisis times in my life, I've never doubted, and I, and, and I have a couple times, so I don't want to say never, but a couple times, real deep crisis, I've doubted. I got so deep and dark that I was wondering if I was a Christian or not, but God was very faithful. But for most of my life, I don't doubt that I'm a believer because I can look at my own life. 
I can look at my own life and see the change that God has done in my life. You know why? Because I tried to change many times before on my own. You know, when you're addicted and you're in junk, all kinds of junk and, you know, you end up in jail again, man, when you're, a, when you're sitting in jail, you start thinking, I'm going to change my life. Why? Because I don't want to be in jail. Like, what do I get here again? And I feel so guilty and I'm like, what an idiot I am. And, and Marie's going to leave me now. I need to change my life. So that I make a decision, change my life. And man, you know what? It goes good for about a week or two. And I get comfortable again, and then I'm falling right back into the same sin, running around, and then I'm getting, and it gets worse the next time, and worse the next time. My parents watched me do that. Uh, my wife watched me do that. It was just a pattern. Oh, he's going to change. Oh, he's going to change. To the point that even after I came home from church, and I, I asked God to save me and forgive me, and I came home to church to tell Marie, guess what? Great change in my life. The response was, got to wait it out. It's just another change. My parents the same way. It's like, oh, he's into something new again. He's into something, he got in trouble again, so now he's gonna change his life. But that night was a real change because God did the work and he began the change. And I've been walking with Jesus now for 29 years and I look back and although I'm not where I wanna be, I'm very far from where I was. Why? Because of the work of God in my life. And I believe there are people around me that can be evidence to the work of God in my life. I believe there are people that knew me before and after that can be evidence of the work of God in my life. Many of you can attest to the work of God in my life, not because I say I'm saved, but because you see it. And that's important. People need to see your faith. They need to watch you. Oh, well, they already do watch you. And when they watch you, they need to see obedience. They need to see what, what they don't need to see is a compromised, wishy-washy person that isn't following Jesus. And let me just speak to the broader church right now, of which we're a part. You know, the church today is very discouraging in many ways. The church today is, is very much what Jesus spoke to in the church in Laodicea. The church is lukewarm today. And I don't, I'm not pointing the finger outside of this room because we are the church. And I realize that this word will be hard for some of you. Let me just bring it home. Whether you're listening on the radio or online or you're here right now, let me just bring it home. Some of you are lukewarm right now and it's not okay. You've made a choice to compromise before the holy and righteous God. You know, when you open up Revelation, you say, what church are you? You know, there's seven churches in the book of Revelation. Jesus wrote a note to all of them. What church of you? Hardly anybody ever claims to be the church in Laodicea. I'm the church in Laodicea. I'm not doing anything for God. I'm not serving God. I'm only living for this world. But I say I'm a believer. Not many people admit that. But people that watch your life, they can see it. Lukewarm. The, the lukewarm church, Jesus said, I will vomit you out of my mouth. You know, vomit is a violent reaction your body has to something that's inside of it and wants it out vomit. That word vomit is kind of a nice word. Basically, Jesus is saying, I will projectile vomit you out of my mouth. Nasty, caustic, smelly. What comes out in vomit is not nice. So much so that the illustration in the Bible is like a dog returning his vomit. It's not good. And some of you are in that condition right now. But you say you're a believer you hang around the church, you might even be serving, and yet you know as well as I do 
that you're in a compromised state. And God's using our Bible study today to call you to repentance, to call you to a place of surrender, to bring you to a place where you realize faith without works is dead. You say you have a name that you're alive, but you're dead. Now, let me clarify for you so you just understand what I'm sharing with you right now is not a call or a plea for you to start serving in this church in some way. Oh, there you go. Ed wants more people to serve and more people in the Sunday school. Like I'm, I'm, don't limit this Bible study to the context of your church family. That's not, what we're te- that's, not, that's not what we're talking about here. Well, you know, I would be a good. My faith would really show up if I just made a commitment to serve here in this church. And, and I may have filled out a ministry application and I did something. I, I, mean, I need to serve in three places so I can really feel like my faith is exercised out. No, this is your life. God is speaking to your life right now. Serving in the church is great, it's wonderful. You step in, you learn a lot, you're discipled through it, that's great. But don't, don't substitute action with just serving within the context of your own church family. But some of you don't even do that. You don't give faithfully, you don't serve faithfully, you don't help faithfully, you, you don't care faithfully, you're, you're just so caught up in things that don't matter. And in the same breath you say, I'm a Christian, yeah, but it doesn't look that way. And you say, well, what does a Christian look like? Not like you. I'm not going to give you 10 lists of what a Christian looks like. I can just tell you right now, your life doesn't sound like God's desire for your life. And think about it in some simple ways here. Simple ways. We're just so caught up in the temporary. We're so caught up in things that aren't going to matter. We're so caught up in things that just will not last for eternity. You know, we get caught up in our careers. We get caught up in our hobbies. I mean, I mean, think of it. You, some of you guys know your job so well. Like, you know it inside and out. You might even be an expert in your field. But you know nothing about the Word of God. Why? I mean, it's in you. You should be. God has let you, allowed you to be an expert in your field. People come to you. They want help. They come to you. You're an overseer. Like, you're so good at what you do. And I know if, if you've been doing it for like 10, 15, you don't become an expert in your field overnight. It takes time. It takes energy. It takes effort. It takes studying. It takes long hours. It takes learning from mistakes. And you have it. You're it. You know how to apply yourself. You know how to work hard. But when it comes to the things of God, no time for it. Well, what do you think is going to last? You're not going to work there forever. There's going to be a new expert. There's going to be new technology. You can't keep up with it all. And here you are. You're not spending any time learning about God, serving God, loving God. And it's not going to matter. This isn't really an either or proposition either. You go, well, Ed, what do you mean? Should I just give up my job and just study the Bible the rest of my life? No. You should do both. You should take that same internal effort and apply it to the things of God so that your faith leads to action. So that being the expert of the field, when people come to you for expert advice and the skill that you have, you can also be a spiritual man, spiritual woman, looking for an opportunity in that place to share the love of Jesus Christ with them. God is bringing all these people to you. You know, you might think, well, Ed, no, no, you're the one that studies all day. You're the one that's, I'll just bring them to you. Yeah, but the problem with that is, is that anytime somebody finds out I'm a pastor, the conversation changes. 
It's like I'm talking, when I'm, on the, when I'm on a plane, I'm talking with somebody, what do you do for a living? I'm a teacher, that's where I start. Because as soon as I say a pastor, they're gonna go, oh, what about the giants in Genesis chapter six? I don't understand about the ark. You don't believe in a whip. <sighs> Headphones, <laughs> it's like the conversation just ends. But here you are as a believer in their life already. You're reaching people I'll never reach. But you're so caught up in other things hobbies, you know, you know more about sports, you know more about, about fishing, you know more about cars, you know more about books, you know more about technology. You have all this knowledge and no desire for the things of God. I'm a believer, but what kind of believer? With dead faith? Because two things are eternal, and that's it. Really, the Bible only speaks of two things that will translate from here into eternity. You know what they are? Number one, the Word of God. Heaven and earth will pass away, but Jesus said, my word won't by no means pass away. And secondly, what translates from here to eternity is the souls of men, souls of women. The souls of men and women, boys and girls, will be in eternity. And so it makes sense that we as a church family would invest our time and resources in the word of God and in the souls of men. You don't want to know more about the things that aren't going to last you know, like, but, but it's okay to be into these things because it builds bridge into people's lives. Like, like, for example, in sports, you know, if, if your favorite sports team has just had losing season after losing season after losing season, you know, I don't have to name the team, do I? And it becomes a conversation starter. And you know the stats of this guy and this quarterback came and this running back and you have all this knowledge because you've applied yourself to learn, then by goodness, use that knowledge to build a bridge into someone's life that loves football but needs Jesus. It's not abandoning these things of the world. It's having them in the right priority. And here's the priority, you ready? I'm gonna give you a list of 10 priorities. You ready? If you're right taking notes, I'm gonna give you 10 priorities. Number one, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Number two, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Number three, follow the bronze. I'm just kidding, seek ye first, of course. You wonder, Ed, are you putting down sports and hobbies? Absolutely not, I'm into stuff too. I'm into stuff too, and I know more about some stuff than other stuff. And then when it comes to sports and things, I don't really have time for it, but I learn enough to connect with people. So it sounds like I know. Except for the Dodgers, they're worth knowing. Just in case you're wondering. Faith without works is what, church? You don't want that to describe you. Number two, let's come back to the text and we'll head out. I might have lost you with the Dodgers, but please come back. <laughs> Verse 18. But someone will say, maybe you're listening here and this describes you. Someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works and I'll show you my faith by my works. You believe that there is one God. You do well. Even the demons believe and tremble but do you want to know, foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Just in case you missed it, faith without works is dead, lifeless, useless. And you might say, wait a minute, Ed, I have faith, and it's a private thing. I grew up in a home like that. My dad, uh, he, he was a very private person. And so when it came to things of religion and politics, that was it. No, we don't talk about religion and politics in this home. It's all private. 
And I respected that. That was my dad's wish. It was his home. But, but I'm telling you today, your faith is not a private matter. It is not private. It's public. You live in the public square. You have people that love you and care for you. Faith is not private. It's public. It's to be seen. You might say, well, wait a minute. I'm just going to say I have faith. You can have works. I'll have faith. It's both. And the only way people know you have faith is by your works. And you're not saved by works, you're saved what? For works. So it's not by you're trying to please God and make the pastor happy and, and make people happy and show I'm a, I'm a good believer because I want to do good deeds. No, you were saved for this. You could say this, you were born to serve the Lord. You. That's God's call upon your life. It's different context. It, God has you spread out in so many different ways, but you were born to serve God. That's where faith leads you. Faith doesn't leave you to a private, no change of a lifestyle. God says faith is going to lead to works, and faith without works is dead. And that's God's will for your life. So when you're reading through Hebrews, by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith, all throughout chapter 11, the only way we know of their faith is by what they did. Right? We were already introduced to Abel. And the only reason we know Abel had faith was because of his worship. And then we met that man by the name of Enoch. And the only way we know Enoch had faith was because he was a man that walked with God. And then we met the guy named Noah. Noah has a much more demonstrative way of his faith because 120 years he lived a faithful life as a preacher of righteousness, not with his mouth, but with his hands, building that boat 120 years. Whatever people thought about Noah, I'll tell you this, I'm sure they believe that that guy was serious about his God. Serious. And you go, how do you know he's serious? Because he built a boat over the span of 120 years. And the only people that believed him was his family. Which you know the hardest people to reach are our family. <laughs> Jesus said as much. The hardest people to, con to, to convince are our family. But Noah shows us that faith can win over a family. And faith, like it wasn't Noah preaching, preaching, preaching at his family. It was Noah obeying God because of his faith. And because of his faithful obedience, his sons and daughter-in-laws got into that ark. Listen, it's okay. if you come to the place where you say, I believe in God, just understand that's not enough because even the demons believe. And they tremble. Belief in God that results in true salvation, true forgiveness, is a belief in God that results in real faith-based, faith-centered action. And I don't want you to be lukewarm. I don't want you to think that just coasting along and living for this world, in this world, is God's design for your life. It's not. Now, you may not be a pastor, and that's perfectly okay. Not everybody's called to the pastorate, and the pastorate is a very difficult calling. You might be called to be a customer service agent, but that's a great calling. Not everybody's called to be a customer service agent, but you are. And so whatever you do in word and deed, you do it unto the Lord. You be faithful. You, you be committed and let your light so shine. Remember Jesus said, let your light so shine so that when people see your works, 
they glorify your Father in heaven. It's not enough. I believe in God. Yeah, but the demons believe in God and at least they shake. What do you do? I just tell people I believe in God. Well, it's not enough. If you truly have a born again experience, you will be changed. The Bible says that every moment of every day, God's using all things, working them together for your good to conform you, to change you into the very image of Jesus Christ. And you wanna have that assurance. Because if you're depending on works today, you're never confident. Because how many works is enough? How many pages of the Bible do you need to read? Some of you, you're so committed to reading the Bible that you're, you're in there and you're just so committed. You go, I'm gonna read the Bible an hour a day the whole year. And then the first day you don't make that hour a day, you feel so bad about it. All the other hours you read don't mean anything because you didn't match up to this little goal that you had. But you know, God's well pleased with you. You were sick that day. You were tired because you worked a double shift. Do you don't think God takes that into consideration that you're human and that he loves you still? Do you think God woke you up in the morning? You didn't read your Bible. <laughs> that would be a funny alarm thing, wouldn't it? You know, God is so good and gracious to us. And you don't want to have a dead faith. I know your heart is to serve him, so do it. Don't just say you believe. Live it out. Step out in faith. Watch God work. Take a venture of faith. Give God a chance to work in your life. Find yourself in a place of strength so that other people can see a living, breathing example of what faith looks like. You say you have faith. I say have works. No, they both go together. Faith and works. They tie together through the blood of Jesus Christ. So Father, thank you for the privilege of serving you. And we wonder sometimes, and Lord, I just pray against the confusion of faith and works. Um, I pray against the folks, you know, just I pray against that thought that, you know, if I just work hard, God will be happy with me. When your Bible says that you're happy with us in Christ Jesus, that, that, that you see us in Christ, not our faults and failures and the only way we're going to make it to the hall of faith is through our actions, not our words. Like, I, I, even as I do, what most of I do in the body of Christ is words, but if I don't live it out in actions, it's going to cause a lot of problems. And so I pray for our church, Lord. We don't want to be lukewarm. And I know some people are discomforted by that today, and so in one way, I'm very grateful. I'm grateful that you've discomforted people by reminding them that compromise is not your will. And in another, another way, I, I just... Lord, I would pray that we aren't a compromised people, that we wouldn't have to <clears throat> repent. But I know that's impossible because we all fail every day. So I pray you'd pour out your spirit on us. Father, you'd have your way with us and that we would find refuge and strength in you. And if you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, as the church is praying for you, I want to invite you to decide to follow him you know, God, he loves you. It's what the Bible says, and it's what we know to be true. He loves you so much that he sent his only son, Jesus Christ, to die for you. So that today, if you would repent of your sins, and I know you don't need a pastor to rehearse for you all the sins in your life. You already know them. You already know you're living a life separated from God. You already know that there's no real relationship, but there could be. If today you'll decide to follow him and you'll respond to his call in your life, the Bible says anyone that comes to Jesus, he won't cast away. 
that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So before we leave today, I want to invite you, if you're here, you're on the radio, you're watching live right now, you're watching on a screen downstairs, and you have never submitted your life to Christ, I want to invite you to do that today. And if that's you, would you just stand to your feet? I want to pray with you. I actually want to lead you in a prayer where you can ask God to forgive you of your sins. And you can obey what the Bible says in confessing your mouth. Now, standing and praying doesn't save you. So we've already learned that. God bless you guys. Doesn't save you. It, it is an outward, it, it's, it, like, it, it like puts it in time. It, it time stamps the day that God touched your heart. It time stamps the day that the moment that God stirred your heart. And you want to have that remembrance. Is there anyone else here? We, we just desire you to come. It's, it's, good that you're, it's good that you hear God today. It's good that you surrender. It's good that you admit. As hard as and painful as it is, God bless you guys in the back. It is. I know it's humbling. I know some of you have to look back on your life and go, I can't believe I am where I am today. It's okay. God doesn't judge you. He loves you. Now, I don't want to say that God hasn't placed a judgment on you. He has. But he's not judging you to hurt you. He's bringing judgment to help you. That's how much he cares for you. He sees what life is apart from this. He sees what new life is. He sees potential. Other people see difficulty. Other people think you won't change. Other people look at you and go, no way, lost cause. God says, not with me. But you got to deal with the sin. And I, you know, you can't, God's not going to do that for you. You have to cooperate. Is there anyone else that would say, that's me? I just want to acknowledge right now anyone that I don't see. It doesn't matter if I see you or not because it's God's eyes that are wet. But you guys on the radio, you know, I, all over the country people hear this Bible study. And all over the country people get saved. Jail cells, hospitals, cars, kitchens. And here in this room becomes a birthing room. So for those of you that responded, pray with me, right? Because the Bible says if you confess with your mouth. So I'm going to help you. You can just repeat this after me as you talk directly to God. You could say something like this. God, I ask you to forgive me of all of my sins. Because there are many. I believe you sent Jesus Christ to live for me. To die for me. And I believe Jesus rose again from the dead and is alive forevermore to save my soul. And I'm asking for your help, God, to follow you with my life. And I'm asking for your help, God, to turn my back on my sinful past. And I'm coming to you today, dedicating my life to following you. And so, Lord, pour out your spirit in an amazing way on these precious men and women, and may they be a part of the forever family of God according to your will. In Jesus' name, amen. We pray that you've been encouraged by this Bible study delivered live from the sanctuary of Calvary Aurora. 
For prayer or a copy of this study, call us at 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-304-7223. Or visit us online at calvaryaurora.org. Be blessed as you worship Jesus this week.